This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, August 26, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Economists don't have solutions. Economists offer trade-offs. In the struggle between the defiantly anti-mask wearers and those who want a national mask mandate with some teeth, some important considerations are being forgotten. Tom Fiery is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and managing editor of Regulation Magazine. We discussed masks, mandates, and trade-offs last week. When the notion of wearing a mask in public, and not specifically in public, indoors, uh, in mixed company, uh, became uh, the advice, and it quickly became a culture war issue, I thought, well, look, if the state is going to mandate this sort of thing, uh, give businesses three options. Masks required. Masks optional, masks prohibited. And uh, if you want to have your culture war, you go right ahead, but you have to tell your customers up front that uh, this is the policy, and whatever the policy is, we're going to enforce it. Um, and and you're, you're working on a paper that basically details you know, another element of this, and that is the fact that there are inherent trade-offs in mandates. There are inherent trade-offs in, uh, for individuals, individual businesses, and individual people that are not immediately obvious right now. So uh, detail that for us. That, that's a great uh, point. You know, your, your intuition, why can't we give uh, places options? And just as long as they tell people before they come in, what the option is, we can sort into the the places we want to go. In, in fact, uh, if people visit uh, Cato.org and, and Google my name, they'll find that I've argued something similar for smoking, uh, tobacco use policy. But I think COVID is uh, significantly different. Uh, for one thing, it is a community spread disease uh, that can kill and that can do so, and you can contract it you know, very easily, uh, you know, simply by being exposed, you know, maybe before you realize that the danger is in the, in the room. So yeah, you're spreading it when you don't know you have it. Exactly. People don't know, and you don't know if other people have it. Uh, and like you said, people themselves don't know if they have it. You walk into a restaurant, it says, you know, masks, uh, optional or masks prohibited. Um, uh, you know, you're taking a risk, but suppose you walk into say into one that says, you know, masks required. Uh, but you walk in and you see someone's being careless. You know, they've got the nose out. They keep pulling it down. You know, you know, some people seem to enjoy almost walking in and creating confrontations, even if it's private property. And, you know, once you're exposed, it's too late. So, you know, that was one thought I had as I thought through this. A, a second one as I thought through this is, you know, we libertarians are about the market. And I mean the market in the rich sense, you know, the Greek sense. You know, it's not just where we buy and sell, but where we do all sorts of community activities. It's where we come together as different people to exchange. And right now, even voluntarily, the market is taking a beating. People have simply pulled back their economic activity because they're afraid of this disease. They're afraid of their own economics. Um, and you know, so they're saving money. And because of that, our market is suffering and will continue to suffer until we get this disease much more under control. So, you know, as I worked on my paper, I thought about two 
kind of uh, exemplars and try to think where does COVID fit with this? And one was the tobacco products in private property. The other was blackouts during World War One and World War Two, where you you're turning your lights off pretty much to protect your neighbor more than yourself because bombing at that time was never precise enough to hit the light. It hit everyone around the light. And it, it just struck me that this seems to be much more a case of of the blackouts in World War One and World War Two, where we're trying, you know, we're trying to protect the whole community and we need community action. And then there's one other bit of this answer um, is simply wearing the mask itself is really not, it doesn't strike me as a very high cost uh, thing. You know, we're required to wear all sorts of other articles of clothing that, you know, are, are relatively uncontroversial. Shirts, you know, shoes. Right. You know, and, and I'm not about to go, you know, walking through someone's food at McDonald's with my shoes on or off, um, but I'm required nonetheless to wear them. And no one considers that controversial. So why would, hey, put this cotton mask over your face to protect others from whether you have the disease? And now we're finding more and more evidence that the mask actually even protects the wearer moderately well. Um, so it seems like a very low cost for a very high benefit. Namely, we get our market and our society and our freedom back. What are some of the trade-offs uh, here that we, you know, because you mentioned this is a, this is a problem that if not everyone is doing it, and so that's a collective action problem. Uh, and even if we accept the notion that there may not be a role for the state here, uh, informed consumers being able to make choices is as important as ever. Right. You know, we, I guess, bef you know, before we can dive into anything, we have to recognize, you know, the big, the big policy matter, which is that this is a classic negative externality. You know, even we libertarians recognize negative externalities. And for those of you who might be new to the terminology, an externality is either a cost or a benefit to some sort of an activity that gets foisted on someone who didn't voluntarily agree to it. So if I say, take my garbage and throw it over my, my uh, fence and into my neighbor's yard, I've basically foisted a negative uh, externality on my neighbor. Uh, COVID is a negative externality. I can, uh, even unknowingly, again, uh, you know, people seem to be most contagious before they even realize they have the disease. I can you know, foist a potentially deadly disease and, and certainly a harmful disease on someone else um, without their agreeing to, uh, you know, to, to the danger, uh, without them maybe even knowing it and without me even knowing it. So we have to balance our costs and benefits and try to reduce this negative externality. And we know the problems with masks. They're uncomfortable. You have to purchase one. You have to clean them perpetually, you know, for them to stay, uh, you know, stay comfortable. And then there's, you know, the basic thing that we libertarians and, and I think human nature in general, we just don't like people telling us what to do. And I think that's actually a fairly healthy, uh, uh, you know, intuition to always be kind of skeptical when someone tells us what to do. But in this case, it seems to be a good time to push back against us because the benefits are so much larger and, and the costs seem to be very small. So, uh, you know, when, when uh, actuaries and economists tally up costs and benefits from some particular mandate, um, when you have somebody like Joe Biden saying, Governors should be requiring people to wear masks outdoors. Well, that's doesn't that might change people's behavior if they feel that it's they they could be credibly 
uh, caught and fined or, or something like that. Um, and there is at least some evidence that vitamin D might be particularly helpful in uh, fighting or at least allowing the individual uh, systems in our bodies to fight COVID-19. And maybe wearing a mask outside tells people, well, I think I'll just stay inside. And when you when you tally up, if you tallied all that up, there might be some uh, costs there that we're not easily able to perceive. That's right. And one of the you know what we want are solutions. The, the term, the trendy term right now is keyhole solutions. That is uh, uh, policy solutions uh, or even private decisions that very tightly focus in on the problem, but don't have a lot of of uh, of uh, uh, you know, side costs that, that we could avoid otherwise. So we could say, okay, everyone, you know, to, to fight this thing, we could lock down the entire city. I'm not proposing that, but someone could. Well, there would be an enormous amount of costs to that. Would you rather do that or just say, hey, while you're out, try to stay a couple meters away from someone else and wear a cloth mask. Well, that's that's a lot lower cost uh, to just simply do that. And in exchange for that, you get a number of, of benefits back, like simply being out, going to the store, enjoying sunlight, getting the vitamin D that might help us, uh, you know, better fight this off. So again, you know, it's, you know, libertarians stand on principles. God knows, uh, you know, I make many principled stands, but at some point there's also, uh, uh, decisions you have to make pragmatically, that is weighing costs and benefits. And and usually libertarians are especially good at that. We really do think through costs and benefits. You know, we do recognize things like negative externalities and we try to find keyhole solutions to address them. And in this case, I think simply just saying, you know, wear a mask and, uh, you know, socially distance will be extremely effective in fighting this, uh, this battle. In fact, you know, to give people a sense of what my, my broader paper, which, you know, should be out here in a few weeks is about, is it's about looking at what limited government can do to fight COVID-19 versus, you know, all the other things that people have been calling for that are not limited government uh, to fight COVID-19. And it points out that actually the limited government tools are extremely effective and low cost, whereas a lot of these other things that we have been hearing, or, or at least we heard back in March and April and May, proved to, to not be so effective and to be very high cost. On the one hand, you have uh, people like Joe Biden uh, running for president, and it should be noted is in the prime risk category for uh, a fatality from this illness. And then you have governors like uh, Brian Kemp and Doug Ducey of uh, Georgia and Arizona, respectively, uh, actually prohibiting local communities from setting their own rules, which as a governor, you know, they certain cities exist at the pleasure of states. Uh, they have that authority. But how do you evaluate uh, those decisions? Those decisions are baffling. Now, you are correct, uh, uh, spot on, in fact. It's an important uh, point here in the United States that local governments exist, uh, you know, under the charity of, of, of the state. It's just the way state constitutions are set up that states grant power to the local governments. But as libertarians, we are believers in subsidiarity. That is the idea that government policies are best that are implemented as close to the public as they can be, because that way, if it's a local government, they can be more responsive to what the local people want. And they can also tailor 
their policies to what the local people want. Whereas the further up uh, the uh, power, uh, you know, f- uh, further up the the power structure you go to state level to federal level, y- you lose, uh, you know, you lose such local control, such such direct input from the public. So it was really puzzling to see uh, uh, Ducey and Kemp. Uh, make these decisions and take away uh, the, deci- the the ability to make these decisions on the local level, where the public could very clearly tell uh, the, you know the local politicians what they want, and that's important you know especially in this because the United States is so varied you know we have very rural areas very uh, uh, urban areas uh, we have uh, you know you know all sorts of uh, uh, different activities that different people engage in in different places. Um, so you could tell her things. You could say, okay, if you're out in the rural area and you're going jogging, you're not on the sidewalks that are busy and cramped, you know, there's no problem about wearing a mask. Whereas say if you're in New York City and, and you know, the, the sidewalks are packed, at least maybe at certain times of the day, you know, you may be wanting to, to require face masks, you know, just simply when you're out on the sidewalk. Or, you know, a, a, you know the, one of the examples that came up that people laughed at, and but it was just utterly perplexing, is, is prohibiting face masks for people who are, on, who are on boats. Now, I don't know about you. I can't imagine how if I'm in a boat, you know, I'm going to catch something from another guy in the boat, you know, even if we're right up alongside each other. That's still a pretty big distance. But yet there were states, you know, state of Maryland, uh, you know. Larry Hogan is a is a fairly pragmatic and practical thinker, and yet for a while that was a that was a rule in, or that was part of the order in Maryland. Tom Fiery is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and managing editor of Regulation Magazine. We spoke last week. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 